Bibles, Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, what a beautiful song. I love sheltered in the arms of God. Thank the Lord for when he's with us. Sometimes we feel like we're all alone. Praise the Lord for that. Let's go ahead and stand and we're going to read four verses this morning. Um, four verses, Exodus chapter 20, we're going to read one, two, three, and four as you follow along. It says in Exodus chapter 20, it says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The first commandment is found in verse number three. It says this, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And the second one is found in verse number four. It says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under this, under the, under this earth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that when we look at your word, we get some things from it. And we're so thankful for these Ten Commandments that you've given us, but as we do a little bit of review from last week that we'll remember what these Ten Commandments stand for, we need to follow these Ten Commandments. It's not the Ten Suggestions, it's Ten Commandments that God want, you want us to do. And Lord, as we look at this second one today, may we, we just apply it in our lives and be different for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. As we look at this, we're going back to the basics in the summer of 2018, and we're going to go over the Ten Commandments. You say, well, I know the Ten Commandments. How many of you abide by the Ten Commandments all the time? Pretty hard to do when you look at them because you'll fix one and then the other one will pop up and you've got to go, okay, how am I going to fix this? And we talked about it as we broke it down last week. We talked about there are Ten Commandments in the Old Testament found in Exodus chapter 20. And then there's a bunch of different um, things that are added to them as they go because just like people now, we look for loopholes. So God is limiting them and showing them that need to be. In the New Testament, they ask Jesus in two, two of the Gospels, they record it, and these are the two Gospels that's found, what are the best commandments? And he answers them with, instead of saying all ten at, out, he gives, you the first, he gives you two, which they cover all the ten commandments. And as you break it down, the first four commandments is the first commandment that, God, that Jesus says in the New Testament. The last six commandments are the second commandment he gives. And as we broke this down a little bit more, this is the first one. And the first four deal with God. The last six deal with people and possessions. And here you have what he says in Matthew chapter 22. It says, Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And then we broke this down. What is the heart? It's the center of all physical and spiritual. It's, it's what, your, what your body is, and, and it's your spiritual application. And the soul is your feelings and your affections. You ever been there? You ever had your soul discouraged? Well, in this, it says, I'm supposed to give God all of those too. And God is supposed to be my compass with all this. Then it says your mind, your way of thinking. It's also the understanding and your thoughts. So it's kind of telling you with this one, when Jesus is trying to be tricked by the lawyer, the lawyer asks him a question and he's trying to trick him and he answers this question. He says, this is what you need to do. These are, the, these are the commandments you need to do. And the second one is love thy neighbor as thyself. And it deals with all the other six that are found in there. So as we look at this, we say, well, what about the Ten Commandments? <clears throat> what do we do with the Ten Commandments? On sake of review, there, we understand in verse number one, as you read it, it says it, that God is the author. Go to verse number one. It says, my, and God spake all these words, saying. Not only that, is, is he is my God. Look at verse number two. It says this in verse number two. It says, I am the Lord thy God. He is my God. There's a possession with that. That's very important because I can go and talk to him when I need to talk with him. He's never busy. 
It seems like lately Ray has been calling me and I've been calling him. We can't ever, we can't ever connect. We're playing phone tag all the time. I don't know, we've done this two or three days in a row. Um, I'll have my phone charging and he'll call me or, or my phone will be in the other room and he'll call me and then I'll call him and I don't know what he's doing. Doing whatever Priscilla tells him to do, amen? And so he's doing all these things. But you know, it's wonderful to be able to talk to God and him listen to you at all times. He's never too busy for you. He is my God. And what are some other things? Go to verse number two again. It says, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Egypt is a form of what we would call the world. And so God brought us out of this world. This is not our home. This is just a temporary fix for us because if you, you were born on this earth for one thing, and that's to serve him. You're supposed to give him your heart, your mind, and your soul. And you don't do that automatically at birth. You have to have that acceptance of him, and then you'll understand what he's teaching you in the Bible. If you're an unsaved person here, and you're reading the Bible, there are going to be some things in there that are totally foreign to your, your thought process. You're not going to, why should I turn the other cheek? When someone were to hit you in the face, would you want to turn the other cheek? Physically, would you do that? No, you wouldn't want to do that, but the Bible tells us we're supposed to turn the other cheek. And sometimes that's hard, amen? Everybody says, oh, Christian life is easy. It's not an easy walk. It's hard to do. But he brought us out of this world, and we have our goals set for something else. Now look at this other one. In the same verse, read verse number one, it says, out of the house of bondage. Now, you say, well, he was talking to Israelites. Well, I can tell you right now, there's a sin bondage that we have. Does this mean we're not going to sin anymore? No, we are going to sin. But when you sin, if you have God in your heart, guess what? It's going to convict you. Amen. I remember one time I, I um, was, I think I was at Walmart, and, and I, I didn't mean to. I put something in my pocket, and I bought a bunch of stuff. And then when I walked out, I, I, I got my keys, and I was like, what is that? And then my mind flashes back at me. It's like, they probably got me on surveillance, and they're probably coming out here. They're going to get me. And I, and I, and I, got, I broke out in a cold sweat. And so I, I was like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. What are they going to do? Am I gonna, are they going to have my picture with, the word, with letters in front of it? I didn't know what was going to happen to me. And so I walked back in there and I said, hey, I, I accidentally took this out, but I need to pay for it. I wonder how many people that you're not convicted when you do that. Um, Bernard was um, taught, we were sitting at a deacon's meeting. I'm going to tell on you a little bit, Bernard. But we were sitting at a deacon's meeting and all of a sudden I looked down and, and this is the last deacon's meeting. I said, where did I get this pen from? And I said, this is not my pen. And he's sitting right beside me, and he so casually said, that's my pen, you took it. <laughs> and it would have been okay if it would ended with that. And I was like, I'm sorry, Bernard. I said, I didn't mean to take your pen. He said, here's your pen. I said, where'd you get the pen? He goes, it's from my work. But then Larry chimed in and said, well, I take pens all the time, so he's trying to make Bernard feel better about it. <laughs> you know, we take things sometimes and we don't realize it, and, and we, we, we rob things and we're not convicted by it. You ever said something, been convicted by it? Right after you said it, man, I shouldn't have said that. And you know what I found in my life? If I just let God handle my problems, they'll work themselves out, and they won't have me in their way. We might get mad at somebody. I was just reading on, on, the, um, on Fox News this morning about a lady that got mad and she, um, it was road rage, and she got mad and ran into a car, got out of the car and would not, did not say, and got another vehicle and ran into the car again, ran into another car. 
The same, same person. Well, they were saying, oh, she's road rage, road rage. Then they did some more research on it, found out that the week, about two weeks before, someone had broken her arm on a road rage themselves. So she, she's went full circle. She's had her arm broken in a road rage. Then she went and she punched somebody in the face. People are not convicted anymore about what they do. I get so nervous, these cameras up here in Kingsport, I've had my pictures taken three or four times. I'm like, I did not do anything wrong. You drive through and you see that flash. It's like, oh no, what's going to happen? Am I going to get a ticket? I didn't even run a red light. I don't know if they're just taking pictures of me all over the, state, the city of Kingsport or what, but I get nervous every time they take that. I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? You know, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and He makes you realize when you do something wrong. Doesn't He? He absolutely does because we're out of that sin bondage. So when the sin comes in, the Holy Spirit's that thing in your conscience that says, listen, I can't do this anymore. It's wrong. It is amazing to me when people get saved and their language changes. And no one has to say anything to them. You're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to do that. And God convicts you of these things because we have this sin bondage. And so let's look at this and let's continue. Let's go to the second commandment. And here it is. Now, everybody in this auditorium will say, well, I've never broken this one. But you probably have. It's all in the way that you read it. It says, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. I don't think, if I were to go to Bill's house, that he was, he's going to have a gold image of him or his wife on a pedestal, and they're going to worship that pedestal, that, that, thing, that object that they made. That's not what we do. That's what the Israelites did. That's what the Egyptians did. But as we look at this, we've got to see it a little bit different. It's interesting about this second commandment, because the second commandment, where are these gods coming from? And why did, why did he bring this up? This must have been a big deal for God to bring it as one of the commandments. And it's the second one. See, when you look at these commandments in Exodus chapter 20, there's eight of them that only have one verse about them. In fact, some of the shortest verses in the Bible are in this chapter. Let's go to them. And you all know these. Go to verse number 13, thou shalt not kill. That's pretty short. 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. 15, thou shalt not steal. These are pretty short. And all of them, eight of them, only have one verse about those, that commandment in this portion of Scripture. But there are two that he gives a little bit more information about. On the second commandment, he gives you three verses about it. On the fourth commandment, he gives you four verses about it. Because he wants to illustrate what's going on with these things and what these commandments are. So I want you to see this. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20 and let's read 4 through 6 and get the whole content of what the second commandment is. It says in verse number 4, it says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath under the, under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the Father upon the children and the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. That sounds pretty harsh, and it is. And sometimes we forget the next verse. Look at the next verse. It says this. It says in verse number 6, six And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. That's the good side of it. But let's look at these. Where do these come from? Where do these gods come from? Well, the first one tells you they come from the sky. Look at the verse again. Go to verse number um, four. It says, or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above. You say, well, why would they bring this up about the sky? Man, there's a lot of people that worship the sky. Have you ever heard of an astrologer? 
Sometimes they worship that. What's another thing? What's another thing that's up in the sky? You have the sun. Some people worship the sun. Some people worship the moon. Some people worship the stars and everything that's up there. Well, let me give you some examples so you know that the ancient Egyptians were known for, for, for worshiping the sun. They were known for that. There were some Europeans that were known for that. The Romans were known for worshiping the things that are celestial. And I think one of them that we overlook sometimes is the Native Americans. Indians worshiped the sun. That's just what they did. So when God did this, we read this and say, well, who would worship the things that are up in, up in heaven? Many people do. And then look at the second one. Not only the sky, look at the next one in, in, in the verse. It says this. It says, um, or that is in the earth beneath the earth. My earth is not a mother. Mother earth. I just don't understand that. You just right and you think you got it all controlled, you know, God shows you, hey, I'm in control. If you don't believe that, ask the people in Hawaii. There's nothing man can do to stop that volcano. God is in control. And there's people that worship the earth. I am all about taking care of where I'm at. But I'm not going to worship the earth. It's just a holding tank for me. What's on the earth? Animals. How many of you like animals? All you people that don't like animals. All right, I watch you, okay? Um, I love animals. I love my dogs. I don't like to hurt animals. But I'm not going to worship them. Do people worship animals? All the time. Have you ever heard of a Hindu? They'll say they don't have any meat, and guess what? There's oxen and cows and everything over there. They will not touch those. And you know what? I don't want to believe that my uncle is a cow. I don't want to believe I'm a monkey. I don't want to believe my relatives or other things. You know what? The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We don't come back as an animal. But people worship it. Read Genesis and you'll figure out that they, are, they were created for us. Animals do different things for us. What do sheep do? They give us wool. Milk give, uh, cows give us milk. They give us meat. Animals give you companionship. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are people that worship them. I was, looking, I was studying this, and then there's, there's men that we worship, right? That's probably one of the biggest things on earth is we worship men. Either rock stars, movie stars, athletes, preachers. I know some preachers that feel like they need to be worshipped. I don't want you to worship me. If I say something contrary to this Bible, you tell me. Show me. It's, I'm, not, I'm not 100%. I'm not. I'm telling you that right now. And I know some preachers get up there, you better, you better bless me with everything that I do and follow me with whatever I say. And I remember one time I was working with somebody and they said, well, you know why we don't celebrate Halloween? And we all went through and we guessed. We was like, well, this is why. It's a, and, and we went all through these things. And of course, the natural things, there's some satanic things in there and there's some other things. And then the, the, the end result was this. You know what he told us? He said, because I said so. I was like, What? That is ridiculous. You've got to have a reason, but some people like to be worshipped. Look at me. And it doesn't have to be preachers, it can be people. I know people that miss church because of activities that have to do with people. I took some kids to a baseball game. We had a youth rally and we had 1,400 kids, so they gave me free tickets. And they said, you know, we're going to give you free tickets. And they gave me two sets of free tickets to the San Francisco Giant Games. One of them, they set me in a section I've never been before. You could order whatever you wanted. It didn't cost anything. 
I ordered prime rib. They bought me prime rib down there, and I was watching a baseball game on the, third, on the first baseline. And so they sent me some more tickets. I said, I, said, I, I can't go to that. It's on Wednesday night. So I gave the tickets to somebody on staff. I said, I can't go, and, and you can't go. And, and I said, I don't know what we're going to do with these tickets. And it was a championship game. It was in the, in the, in the um, World Series situation. And there were tickets everybody wanted. I said, I can't go. It's Wednesday night. Lo and behold, I found out that two of the staff kids went. I thought, what in the world is going on here? What if Jesus would have came back and, got, and they would have got hit in the head with the baseball right before it happened? Amen? We've got to watch what we do. We have graven images. We uplift people more than what we should. And that's what the Bible's talking about. It's on the earth. It's in the sky. What's the last one? Oh, wow. You say, well, in the sea, in the ocean, do people worship things in the ocean? Sure they do. Have you ever heard of Greek mythology? You ever heard of a guy by the name of Poseidon? What is he? It's all about the water. See, Jesus knew this and God knew this, and that's why he gave that as a second commandment. He knew where these gods were going to come from. And by the way, when you look at the word God, it is a small G for those that are listening on the internet. It's a small G, it's not a big G, but he knew what we would do. He knew how we would react. He knew how we would build things, we would look at things. But I want to ask you these two questions. What does God ask of you when it comes to this commandment? And not only that is this, who, who God is. Who is God in your life? Because he brings it to you and he shows you. He says, what does God ask? Look at verse number four. I'm sorry, verse number, yeah, verse number four. It says, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. So the first thing what God asks is don't bow down. You know what I always think of this? is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't bow down. When they could have bowed down. And they were thrown in a fiery furnace. And when they went in that fiery furnace, guess what? They didn't know if they were going to live or die. But all of a sudden, there's a fourth man walking in there with him. And when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Amen. He says, don't bow down. You say, well, I don't physically. No one in this room is probably going to physically bow down. But sometimes we do mentally. Amen. What if I say something to somebody and, and this is their, their God and, and this is what they're following? I don't know what it is with my family, but some reason we always pick the underdogs. If I watch a sports event, I'll cheer for the one that no one else is cheering for. I will be happy when the underdog wins. When I do my brackets in May for the NCAA, I usually do terrible because I'm always picking the ones I think are going to win. And I pick it by emotion. But in this, you know what, what God wants us to do? He doesn't want us to look at situations and bow down to them. He wants us to understand that He is God. You know what I think about this? I think of Stephen. He was a man that didn't bow down. Cost him his life. But when we see it, we meet him up in heaven, he'll be thankful for what he did. Amen. You don't need to bow down. The second one, what's the second one? Go read, read a little bit further. It says, thou shalt not bow down nor serve. Don't serve these little gods. Don't serve these little gods. I know people, I know Christians that will read the charts to see what the astro astrological things are and see what's going to happen that day. And then it puts it in your mind, and then say, oh, it's correct. No, it's a subconscious thing. I don't even know what I am. Amen. I know some of you are going, I don't either, but that's okay. <laughs> but I'm talking about, I was born May 27th. I'd have to really look it up to see what I am. 
I don't know what I think. I'm a Leo, maybe. I don't know. And everybody's scared to death to tell me what I am. Oh, you're a Leo. Everybody, everybody knows. But I don't know because I don't, I don't look at stuff like that. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. Amen. We're not supposed to bow down and we're not supposed to serve it. Amen. Sometimes you might miss a blessing because the devil's got you looking at stuff like that. Amen. Don't go out today. If I, if I didn't go out today every, every time I didn't feel like going out, I would stay at home all the time. But my God says, listen, he says he doesn't want you to bow down and he doesn't want you to serve these other gods. And there's nothing wrong with a hobby and there's nothing wrong with something that you like, something that's your favorite. But don't bow down to it and don't serve it. Because it's not going to be important once it's over. Do you really think people are going to care if I cheered for the Golden State Warriors or Cleveland Cavaliers? Not really. But we bow down to it all the time. And God says, we're not supposed to make any graven images with it. But then it says this, look at this. It says, God is a jealous God. How many of you ever have jealousy in your life? Oh, I do. Oh, look at that. I wish I had that. You know, I think it's 16 times in the Bible. People don't realize how many times it talks about God being a jealous God. 16 times in the Bible, jealous, the word jealous is found. Out of those 16, seven of them, are about God being jealous. You know, if he created you, he should be jealous. Aren't you jealous when, when you had kids and you had something planned for them and then something else came up in their schedule and then they decided to go someplace else? Like maybe you were going to spend the day with them and then a friend says, hey, come over to my house and, and we'll do this. And they, sometimes they'd choose that. And you would just sit back and go, oh yeah, do whatever you want. But down deep, you were jealous about losing that time. And God says he's a jealous God. Let's look at it. In verse number, I think it's five, it says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, I the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Watch what it says. It says, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. That's a long time out. Amen. And he's saying he is, go, he is going to wreak havoc on them if you hate me, I will keep score. Amen. But then he doesn't end it with that, and that's what I like about it, because God tells you the other side of him. Although he's jealous, he's not only jealous, it goes to the next verse, it says, and showing, don't you like this? Mercy and love. He shows mercy and love to people. Amen. He knows we're going to break the commandments, but he wants us to have a conscience about it and try to work on it. Amen? That's what he wants you to do. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. So this, this second commandment is, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And most of us aren't going to bow down to it physically, but we might bow down to it mentally. And then he says he wants us not to bow down and don't serve it. Because God, he is a jealous God, and he wants your whole heart, your whole mind, and your whole body. That's what he wants. How quick do you forget things? You ever forgotten something? How many of you are blessed with a, with a short memory, amen? I am. Sometimes I honestly think I could hide my own Easter eggs. I'm like, I have no idea where I put them. <laughs> I forget things all the time. I'll walk in the room and go, what did I come in here for? And I'll walk in the room I'll go, I don't know. I'll walk back to where I started and say, maybe that'll remind me. And I've done it. One time I did it three or four times. And I finally got to the point where I'm going to take a three-by-five card and write down why I went to that room. 
I probably lost the card on the way there. I don't know, but I'm telling you, we, we forget things qu quite frequently. I want you to turn. We're going to go 12 chapters further in, in this. Go to Genesis, um, Exodus chapter 32, and we're going to read a story, and I want you to follow along. I'll point out some things, and we'll be done. I want you to look at this. We're going to start in verse number 1. And you, you know, we forget things a lot, don't we? Here he says, make no graven images, and here it is. Genesis, uh, Exodus chapter 32, follow along with me, and I'll point out some things I want you to see. It says, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, make us, what's this, little g gods, which shall go before us. Now how can a little, if they make an image, how can that image go before them? The only way that that image can go before them is if they carry it with them. It's not going to walk. It's not going to do this. That's not what it does. He says, let's make a, a graven image. It says, for, as, for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what, what has become of him. They're saying, we don't know where he went. We don't know if he's coming back, so we've got to have a God for us, a little g. And Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears and brought them into Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it was a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Did they not just leave a place that did the same thing? Keep reading. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamations and said, tomorrow is a feast. Now watch this. To the big, big L Lord. He is, they have just broken the second commandment. But they're going to have a feast about it. Oh, wow, we really forget a lot of things really quick, don't we? Amen. Keep reading. In the Lord, and they rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. They knew what the rules were. They knew what the offerings were, what they were supposed to do. Now watch this. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for, my, for thy people. Now watch how God calls them thy people because he's, he's upset at what they've done, which hath brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made a, a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt. So he knew what they said. God keeps an accurate record. Keep reading. It says, The Lord said unto Moses, I have seen these, this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. He's basically telling Moses at this time, let's get rid of them, I'll make a great nation out of you, because you're the one listening. Now you've got to remember, he put Aaron in charge because he thought Aaron could be in charge. And keep reading. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax not against... Now watch what Moses does. He turns it and says, they're your people. He says, thy people, which thou hast brought out of the, out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. And it, it, it goes on to say that he goes... Well, let's go read verse 12. It says, wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth, turn from their fierce wrath, and repent of evil against thy people. He tells them about Abraham and Isaac. In verse number 15, it says, And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hands. And the tables were, on, were written on both their sides, 
and the one side and the other were they, were they written. And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the table. Now watch. Now they, he comes up, and he comes up on the people, and he hears the music, and he says, listen, this is a noise of war. Music does affect you. He said, this music they're playing, it's telling me that there's a war. And it came to pass in verse number 19, as soon as they came nigh into the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf, which they had made, and burned it in the fire, and ground it into powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. It's interesting. They better be thankful that Moses did that rather than God did it. Amen. We are so quick to forget what God wants us to do. We're almost done. We've got four more verses. It says, And Moses said unto Aaron, Why didst these, this people unto, what did these people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Now watch this. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of the Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people, and they are set on mischief. Why didn't Aaron just stand up to them? Amen. Man, he forgets things real quick, doesn't he? For they said unto me, Make us gods, little g, which shall go before us, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not that is become of him. We don't know where he went. Watch verse number 24. Then I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me. Then I cast it under the fire, and there came out this calf. That is a funny verse to me. Because what he's saying to Moses is, we just put this gold in, and boop, there's a calf. Amen. You know, we, we forget real quick, don't we? Amen. God keeps an accurate record. Twelve, Twelve chapters after the Ten Commandments, and people are doing this. And so I have no other gods before me. They broke that one. Make, thou shalt not make any graven images. They broke that one. And I don't know. Aaron's just sitting back and going, I don't know. He just threw this gold in and there's a cow. That's just ridiculous to think about. Can you imagine what God thinks of our excuses? You say, well, we're not as bad as them. Oh, yes, we are. Absolutely we are. We do things all the time that break God's heart. And all God wants us to do is not bow down and not serve what he tells us not to do. And then he also realizes that, guess what? Although he's a jealous God, he shows mercy and love to us all the time. Amen. But we forget so often what the commandments are that we break them 12 chapters later. What's in your chapter 12 chapters later? You know you're not supposed to do these. I know I'm not supposed to do them, but guess what? There's going to be times in my life when I break them just really quick. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. These are hard commandments to follow. But what's our excuses? My Bible tells me that I'm not supposed to make excuses. How fast can things happen in your life? How fast do we justify commandment two, breaking commandment two? And what excuses do we use? I just can't comprehend these guys. Because if you go back and you study it, they were living terrible in Egypt. Amen. Before they left Egypt, what did, the, what did Pharaoh do? He took them and they had to make 
They had to make bricks out of stuff that didn't even make bricks. They had to build things that they, that were, they were gods for the Egyptians. They went through all the ten, the ten um, plagues and they saw all this devastation. They went up and they'd get up in the morning and they would see food on the ground and water for them. And then Moses goes up to get something from God and while he's up there, these shenanigans, they get up there and they do everything that they're not supposed to. Build us a God. You know what they were doing? They were reverting to what they were before they left Egypt. And then Aaron, the biggest one out of all of them, said, I don't know, we put gold in the fire and a calf popped out. What an excuse. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to serve with, with our whole heart, our mind, and our body. Are you willing to do that? And I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you that God is a bigger God than whatever you're going through. I mean, I, I look at Mrs. Matlock up here, and she's went through a lot. Had that surgery, and, and I've seen her progress. She went from being helped in, to being rolled in, to being walked in, to being having, a, having a, a walker, and now she's out on her own. And you know what? She never, she, did you have this planned? No. Is God bigger than any problem that you have? Absolutely. Let's quit making excuses, and let's follow the Ten Commandments. Easier said than done, but God doesn't want excuses. Has your mom and dad ever looked at you when you were growing up and said, son, I don't want an excuse. Just tell me the truth. My God knows more about me than my parents ever did. And he doesn't like excuses. With every head bowed and every eye closed. The Bible says that you're not supposed to have any graven images. Oh, how quick we make a graven image. We make a graven image out of people. Make a graven image out of whatever it is in your life. A hobby, a sport, a school, a person. And God tells me that I'm not supposed to bow down and I'm not supposed to serve it. Because He is a jealous God. And I am so thankful that my God is a jealous God. Because with that jealousy comes love and comes mercy. Lord, I don't know what people are going through all in the auditorium. I know some. Some of them are facing struggles. Some are facing financial struggles. Some are facing, facing emotional and physical struggles. Sometimes it's easier to bow and to serve that rather than looking at what you've got for us. May we not make any graven images. May we not put something in front of you. May we, as, as the serve is to motivate to move, may we get back to understanding what you have for our life. May we get back to understanding what the Bible says about the second commandment. It's so easy to read, so hard to do. Lord, I'm sorry I, I've let you down in many ways in my life. But I know you're working and I know you're trying to make me what I need to be, just like you are with these people. So often in our life, we get sidetracked by little things that we shouldn't be. And sometimes maybe they're big things. Lord, you love us despite our faults. You love us no matter what's going on. And sometimes we let you down and that jealousy comes in. And we ask for forgiveness because you've brought us out of this world and out of this sin. And then you show love and mercy to us.
Lord, I want to thank you for the things you've done for us. I want to thank you for the things that you've applied in my life to make me what I need to be. Thank you for the tests that you've given me. Thank you for the, the, the situations that come across my path and come across their path that can make us what we need to be. Lord, I thank you for everything you've done. And I also tremendously thank you for coming to this earth and dying on a cross. And you had no sin. You died on the cross and three days later, even death couldn't keep you down. And for that, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for the blessings that you've given us, but I think of this situation, may we make no graven images. May we not bow, may we not serve. May we truly realize who you are. In Jesus' name.